Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Slice of Life on your Saturday morning. We're here every Saturday from 9 to 9.30, and I hope it's a good way to start out the weekend for you because it certainly is the highlight of my day. So happy to be here. And uh, this week, we have a very special show. Jessica Pirro is with us. She is the CEO of Crisis Services, an agency that really has an incredible uh, number of services available to people in this area. And the scope is quite astounding. Uh, when I was doing my research this morning, I was amazed to see uh, the different things that they offer and how they offer it and to whom it's offered. So I thought I knew a little bit about this agency, but I learned something new today. And the woman behind Crisis Services is Jessica Pirro, CEO. Welcome. The boss is in the house. Welcoming. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, <laughs> Jessica. For folks who are unaware of what Crisis Services is, how do you sort of give your elevator speech when people say, what do you do? What do we do? I know that's the, the, the million-dollar question. Um, we are the, uh, the 24-hour crisis center for for Erie County. I think that's the the shortest and sweetest way to say it. Um, But behind that statement is that we provide uh, life-saving services for individuals um, who are in crisis. Um, If it's either emergency mental health, suicide prevention, rape crisis, domestic violence, uh, elder abuse services, uh, we are that first responder for individuals who are experiencing those types of crises. And Jessica, it really does sort of run the gamut, right? It could be anything that's creating an issue. Perhaps somebody is grieving about the loss of a loved one, or they're in some sort of personal crisis related to a relationship or a job loss, or, I mean, there are literally hundreds of reasons, I'm sure, that the phone rings at your agency. What are some of the more common reasons that people call? Well, a lot of our calls are around um, mental health issues. Um, If it's somebody who they themselves have a mental health diagnosis, uh, maybe they're starting to see signs and symptoms in a loved one and not sure what to do. Um, We also provide a lot of supportive counseling for just individuals who are having a hard day. So some of the things that you had mentioned, a recent uh, relationship breakup or job loss um, or other just real horrific news that they received, an unexpected death or things like that. Um, Those would be things that our crisis counselors are there to provide support and some guidance and maybe linkages to other services in the community to help in that recovery and that support. That's a really important point, too, because you do link with other uh, community partners. Uh, Can you give us a a rundown on some of the more common ones that you uh, often associate your agency with? Yeah, we are a very collaborative organization. Our role is very specific to crisis response. So we're very short term to um, the purpose and our goal and our mission. Um, so we want to make sure we're collecting, connecting to our partner agencies. So we have a lot of collaborative partnerships with law enforcement. We work very closely with all the local hospitals. Uh, but we also work with other mental health providers like Best Self, Horizons, uh, Spectrum Human Services, for example, uh, to name a few. Um, those are uh, other agencies that we work hand in hand in helping their clients and helping the community every day. And, and I'm sure that it's it really does become a collaboration where you help each other in that sense. And do you find that they then in turn 
uh, come to crisis services as well. It's a two-way street, I imagine. Absolutely. I mean, I think what's really important is is that our role is specific to crisis. So in other organizations, maybe have a client that they're working and providing long-term care. Um, when a crisis erupts for that individual, uh, there are certain types of services that we provide that only crisis services provide. So they'll contact us. We'll collaborate on what's going on with that particular individual and then determine if we need to provide an intervention and guide them um, for some next steps as a result of that crisis situation. And I want to emphasize too, Jessica, that you are the only 24-hour crisis center in this area. Yes. And let's face it, you know, when a crisis happens, it doesn't happen nine to five necessarily. So things, as you say, as you so aptly put it, erupt. And that's how it feels, I think, when we experience a crisis. It does feel like an eruption of sorts. It's such a, you know, traumatic thing to deal with mentally and perhaps physically, depending on what the crisis is. So the numbers that I was reading about and the information you sent me really were staggering. When you were first opened, you took a 1,000 calls in the first few months of business. Today, according to the literature that you sent me, you average over 7,000 calls. Really staggering numbers. Yeah, seven calls a month. Yeah, uh, seven thousand. Yes, thank you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah, so when we we look at that, it's just the evolution. I mean, crisis services. We just uh, went into our fifty-first year of service to Erie County, um, and people know that we're there, we're available, that we're reliable to be there at two in the morning right. or two in the afternoon. Um, our counselors are there, so we definitely um, encourage people to call. And when numbers increase, I know sometimes that can be startling to people um, when they see that. But for us, that means people are reaching out for help. And we want people to reach out even before a crisis happens to get support um, to maybe help prevent it from getting worse, um, especially if it's something like suicide, for example. I've always maintained, Jessica, that strong people seek help. So to have that lifeline, I think, is absolutely imperative that you're seeking help and you're helping people with this. And speaking of phone numbers, um, the crisis service 24-hour crisis hotline is 834-3131, correct? Correct, yes. And that number is available 24-7. Yes. Holidays, overnight, it doesn't matter. Yeah, our team is there no matter what time of day, what holiday, uh, what day of the week, our team is there for you. We just can't emphasize that enough. And what about the addiction hotline? Let's get into that a little bit, Jessica, because I know that that's also something that, you know, we're we're talking about and how important that is too. Yeah, so just uh, just three years ago, uh, this August, that we started a dedicated addiction hotline um, through Crisis Services, and that number is 831-7007. Um, and that uh, line is to connect with counselors who have more specialty training in substance abuse, uh, treatment, addiction issues. Um, and the goal there is to provide the same level of care that we provide on our crisis hotline, um, but really um, navigating through the system of care when it comes to addiction and substance abuse issues. There's a lot of layers sometimes to getting connected to services, so we want to mitigate that as as quickly as we can um, to get people who are ready to seek that treatment um, to get connected, to get linked, and to get the help that they need. So if somebody were to call the crisis services number and they're having an addiction issue, you're going to get help regardless, Regardless of the number you call, yes. There's help available. There's help available. So we'll make sure to get the correct counselor for you to make sure that they can help with 
maybe some next steps um, and really assess what the needs are for that caller. Walk me through what happens when somebody calls. Is there a team that goes out? Is it simply phone counseling? How does that all shake out? It starts with the phone call um, and it could end right there with the hotline counselor. It really depends on the layer of needs of the particular situation they're presenting. Um, So there might be somebody who calls in that just needs some supportive counseling. So the counselor will walk through just, you know, what's going on today? How can we help you? Um, And maybe give some guidance, some coping skills or whatever might be needed. Um, But if we get a call, for example, there somebody is is threatening suicide, you know, um, and as we talk with them further, we realize their risk for suicide is high. Uh, We're going to pull in our mobile outreach team. And that team is staff that will go out into the community to do a mental health evaluation um, on an individual who's threatening some sort of harm to themselves or to others. Um, And that team will really work to help see if we can stabilize them safely in the community. Um, But if we're unable to do so, uh, we will be able to transport them to the hospital for further psychological evaluation that might be needed, especially at that heightened crisis. Is that when you would call uh, an ambulance company, for instance, or do you have a team that literally goes out to get that person? So what usually happens is our team will go out, it could be to somebody's home, it could be to a workplace, wherever the person might be. We'll really try to evaluate that situation um, as best as we can, but if we see that this is going to need further intervention and a hospital visit is going to be necessary, um, it could be an ambulance uh, provider that comes out. It could also be law enforcement, depending on the severity of the situation. Now, our conversation is particularly timely because Suicide Awareness Week is coming up. Yes. And it's designated as a week always at this time of year, correct? Yes, always in September. um, We do a lot of awareness around suicide prevention. Um, And yeah, next week we're heading into a lot of different activities uh, that will be going on in the community. Uh, We have a press conference on Tuesday, which is World Suicide Prevention Day um, at 2 o'clock at the Rath Building that will be highlighting a lot of the work that's being done in the county. We're also connecting with our Canadian counterparts to really highlight the international conversation around suicide suicide, um, especially because of some recent situations that we've had at the border um, when it comes to suicide cases. And that's such a uniquely Western New York thing, right, Jessica? Yes. Here we are, a border town, so... In a sense, you're collaborating with folks over the border because those issues are real there as well. Absolutely. And it helps us to really unify our message to make sure that everyone knows that there's always a crisis center, if it's here in the U.S. or in Canada, that there's a hotline available to call. And, you know, it's important, I think, to talk about seasonality. Do you find that your numbers go up? as the holidays approach or perhaps as the winter approaches or is it just sort of folklore it's it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a, for, a folklore as you said um, I think it really just depends um, it depends on the community sometimes too um, I think that what we tend to see when it comes to times of year is although the holidays seem to be a time of stress for people it isn't until after the holidays that maybe we're seeing people reaching out for help they've, they've been able to to really keep it together in front of their families for so long, um, or maybe people are starting to see people they haven't seen in a while, and they're starting to say, you know what, I need to reach out for help for my loved one. Um, So I think we tend to see that happen post-holiday season. We also tend to see um, calls for help more around springtime. I think it's around sometimes the school year. uh, We see some different things like that 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 tend to turn up. Um, But for our numbers per se, uh, we're pretty consistent year-round. Some of the warning signs of suicide, um, talking about wanting to die, looking Mm -hmm. for a way to kill oneself, feeling hopeless, having no purpose. 
uh, you probably hear about people saying they feel trapped or in unbearable pain, and I'm, I'm sure it could be physical or emotional pain. And you often hear somebody say they don't want to be a burden to others. Is that a cause or a reason? Yes, and that's actually a very um, high risk factor when we see that in individuals um, when they feel that that sense of being a burden um, and especially hopelessness. When somebody has both of those factors, we definitely want to um, have an intervention and talk with them to see how we can help them from potentially taking their life. And Jessica, what about um, people who might try to medicate themselves, perhaps through drugs or increased alcohol use? How often do you see that kind of warning sign? Uh, that definitely is a consistent factor. Um, we start to see with individuals who might um, actually be presenting with concern for addiction, um, but when we kind of drill down to some of the root causes of why maybe the drinking started, we start to get into seeing other types, if it's an undiagnosed mental illness, uh, maybe a, a history of trauma or abuse that's that's playing out. Um, those are factors that as we start to really evaluate that, we see both both either a mental health and a co-occurring issue with substance abuse. You know, I think about the high-profile suicides that we've heard about uh, over the years, Kurt Cobain, uh, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, just stunning, stunning news when you hear it. It's such a shock to the system. But in a sense, Jessica, does it help demystify the conversation about what's, you know, always been sort of a taboo thing to talk about when these high-profile folks, whatever their cause was, Robin Williams is another Mm -hmm. case, whatever Mm -hmm. drove them to that decision, do you think that that helps demystify it and, and really does create a little bit of benefit just for the sake of talking about it? It definitely has highlighted um, the issue around mental health um, when we look at um, some of the high-profile cases. Um, what we what it is also is highlighting that individuals, um, regardless of their, their, their celebrity status or how much money they have, um, it really comes down to their mental health. And if they have depression or if they have other types of mental illness that's um, not being treated or maybe is just becoming too difficult to manage manage, um, they all uh, will have the same level of pain that an individual will have when they're thinking of suicide. Um, So I think it does start to strip away from this view of what um, uh, an individual who's in crisis looks like and really understand that this can happen to anyone at any time in our community. Such a great point. Doesn't matter how fat your bank account is. And if you're in some sort of pain, it's real. Um, Is there any concern about copycat suicides when you hear about high profile people committing suicide? Yeah, um, from the suicide prevention community, uh, anytime there's a high profile case or even if there's a public suicide in a community, we are very uh, vigilant about um, paying attention to how it's being reported and how Mm -hmm. it's being talked about because there is concern for contagion. Um, There is concern for that copycat approach. Um, So there's definitely things that, you know, are research based about how we should talk about um, a particular situation, how often we should be reporting on it, uh, the language that should be used so that we assure safe messaging so that we're not impacting someone who's already vulnerable and then sees that and then it becomes a a potential continued risk factor for them. And actually in our business too, it's important that we frame it correctly, use the right terms. You don't want to get anything related to suicide wrong in terms of the way it's related to the public at large. Absolutely. And you know, our media locally, you've done an amazing job too, because we do get a lot of consultation, especially when there's these high profile cases of how to present the information um, and there's safe messaging guidelines that we always provide to everybody to really pay attention to. If somebody finds themselves feeling suicidal or are concerned about a friend or loved one, 
how do they reach the suicide hotline? So they call directly to 834-3131, and our counselors are there 24-7. 834-3131. We'll talk more with Jessica Pirro from Crisis Services. Three words that we want to get into this moment forward. What does that mean? Come back, and we'll tell you all about it. Are you a fan of succulent hand-carved beef and turkey? Do you like having fish fries available every day? Then come experience fresh, scratch-made favorites at the historic Glen Park Tavern in the heart of Williamsville. The Glen Park Tavern's hand-carved beef and turkey are available in-house or for parties as well. Enjoy a delicious selection of hearty salads, sides, and soups seven days a week. Visit the Glen Park Tavern on Main near Cayuga in Williamsville. It's not just a meal, it's an experience. Escaping somewhere this summer? Whether you're hitting the beach, taking the family camping, or lounging by the pool, take your favorite news, sports, music, and podcasts with you. How? Just download the free Radio.com app and start listening now. Download it today on your phone or connected device, or listen on your smart speaker. Wherever summer carries you, you can listen live, anytime, anywhere. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostess, Brenda Alacy. And on this first weekend of NFL football, the full season coming about, I can't wait to get to it with the Buffalo Bills. And my fellow football fan, Kevin Carr, is here running the board for us. Just wanted to give a, a tip of the hat to Kevin and thank him for his work week in and week out right here on Slice of Life. And hopefully we'll be celebrating a Bills victory uh, in just a few hours uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m., I hope. Well, back to the show itself. We're talking with Jessica Pirro, and she is the CEO of Crisis Services, which is located right here in Buffalo. And Jessica, started in November of 68. Now, I know you weren't there back then, (laughs) (laughs) but you've been with the organization more than 20 years and five years as the head honcho. You're the CEO. How have you seen the agency evolve over the years? It's been pretty amazing to see um, over the last 20 years what has happened at Crisis Services, but also the impact that the agency has had in the community. Um, In addition to just growth of being able to provide more services and really helping to coordinate and collaborate on services in our community, um, we're also seeing people reaching out for help and really helping to reduce stigma around all the issues our organization um, services, from mental health to rape crisis, domestic violence. Um, Stigma plays a part and all of those um, aspects for that really keep people from reaching out. Um, so we've definitely seen an improvement through the community and through the very collaborative efforts in our community to really pay attention to this conversation and make it safe for people to come forward and get the help they need. You know, as you're saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think about the candor of people who are able to come forward and talk about their experiences, especially with like a disgusting person like Harvey Weinstein. Yes, mm-hmm. I know he's innocent mm-hmm. until proven guilty, but from all indications, uh, you know, just a despicable character. And the way these women have come out so bravely to face their accusers, also the women who faced down Bill Cosby, Mm -hmm. all these horrible things that, for good or bad, the mainstream media has a lot of flaws, but at least there are ways for people to get the word out and talk in a public forum about what's happening and hopefully give others the strength to face that. I don't know if that's something that your team hears about when they're talking to people, but... 
I'd like to think that the media is helpful in that respect. Do you have any views on that? Well, I do think that um, the conversation in um, you know our community as well as through the media is important. It's important to make sure, too, that it is strength-based. Like you said, that it's giving people hope, that it's giving people a sense that they're not alone, um, that, that unfortunately this does happen to many people in our community on a regular basis. Um, and so seeking help is a strength and not a weakness. And I think that the attention around um, either mental health, suicide, the Me, Too, the Me Too movement, for example, are things that are giving people a sense of pause and realizing, you know what, this happened to me. Um, it doesn't have to define me, and I can figure out how to get the help that I need um, to live productively with whatever trauma that they've experienced. And that gives them strength when they see other people step forward and share their story and they realize they're not alone. And along with that purpose and goal, that's what you do at Crisis Services. And as I mentioned, you've been there a couple of decades now, and now you have a new tagline and kind of a new slogan that you want people to know about this moment forward. What does that mean exactly? Well, uh, Crisis Services, we celebrated our 50th anniversary last year and went through kind of a review of who we are and where we're going. And one of the things that came out of that review, and in addition to a little refresh of our our logo, uh, was a new tagline. And really, uh, when we were looking at some um, options that were being presented to us to look at, this one stood out above all the rest and made, you know, everyone had a a chill, if you will, throughout Mm -hmm. our organization to say this is us Uh, meaning that when you make that call this moment forward we will we'll get them we will get you connected to services we will help you find the right next step we will help you be educated about what's available to you Um, as well as if it's our partner agencies this moment forward we're going to help you be able to service your clients even better than you are today Um, helping law enforcement to be trained in issues around mental health for example to improve the response in our community so for us it's that that moment that you connect with our organization we're going to make sure that that next step is a better step regardless if it's a community member if it's a partner agency um, we want to make sure that we're walking um, you know in step with you to help you provide um, support and help isn't it a great moment when people realize yeah that's it when you hit upon that tagline or that phrase it kind of encompasses what your goal is especially when you have such a wide range of services and what you talk about is very difficult and yet you're able to kind of coalesce it into that you know just distill it down into three words and even the logo I love the way it was kind of fractured and then it came together absolutely it kind of speaks to what you're talking about you really offer a, a four-letter word which is a good four-letter word it's hope right <laughs> yes, do you yes. view it that way too Jessica that hope is really what you offer folks we do um, you know our vision statement is that uh, we want a community where people in crisis find safety help and hope and we we ended that with hope because we want people to know to hold on to that um, there's some days that there's nothing that they feel they can hold on to and that's when those darkest moments moments hit people. Um, if we can instill a little bit of hope, a little bit of, of care, um, we we really want to assure that that's something that people hold on dearly to um, and realize that there will be, a, tomorrow will maybe a better day and that we can f- provide that, that care and that hope for them. With around-the-clock uh, phone coverage, you must need a lot of folks to work at crisis services. And it, it requires a special person, as cliched as that is, but it is yeah. compassionate, caring, committed people. What kind of jobs do you have open right now at your place? Yeah, we are recruiting uh, for sure. It's we definitely have, um, we actually have positions open in all of our departments right now. Um, so we have our crisis counselor positions and our, ho- our 24-hour hotline that are available. Um, so those are the staff that are answering the hotline 24 7 
seven. Uh, we have positions in our mobile outreach program, which are the staff that are going out in the community to do the mental health evaluations for individuals who are at harm to self or others. And we also have positions in our advocate department, which is our rape crisis, domestic violence, and elder abuse unit within the organization. So we have some positions there, both on the hotline that's dealing specifically with sexual violence and domestic violence issues, but also um, within our case management services uh, that we provide in our college campuses, as well as with our uh, local police departments. And you offer benefits and other uh, perks of the job that I think would be really helpful to folks who are looking to, to really make a difference. This is truly a, a calling, not so much a career, right? Absolutely. I mean, we definitely need people that are, are committed to this type of work, um, committed to helping people in their really darkest moments, and, and, and people that are able to be present and be risk to be present with other people in crisis, because it's not easy. It's not easy work. So it's individuals that really can um, you know have good uh, crisis intervention skills, be able to help intervene in those those situations but we provide a ton of training and support for all of our staff because it is a challenging job every day. I bet there must be a real feeling of esprit de corps among the people who work there right it does because it is a a different kind of job this is not a job that you can probably you know forget about five minutes after you walk out the door so I bet that your team really is a team in that sense. And yes, yes. And the teamwork is is so specific to the work that we do, as well as just the, the support and supervision that that our administrative team provides to staff every day to be able to debrief about a situation or give guidance on what to do next. Um, and just to be supportive during a very difficult day. Um, you know, we see sometimes the worst of the worst in situations every day here in our community, and we need to be able to take care of each other while we're doing it. When I was poking around on your website, uh, website website this morning, I noticed the employment tab at crisisservices.org. So it's very easy to look at the different positions that are open. Just go right to the employment tab at crisisservices.org and you'll see the various requirements and positions. And I imagine it's kind of an ongoing um, revolving door, right? You need people coming in all the time. Yes, yes. So we're, you know, we're always recruiting um, and training. The other thing is that we also recruit for volunteers. So in addition oh, to staff uh, working with us, we also have volunteers that help out on the hotline and also help to do our hospital response in our advocate department for victims of sexual violence and domestic violence. And you uh, located, relocated your offices from Main Street in Buffalo to River Rock, right? Yes. So you're in the Black Rock area. Is that where folks would volunteer out of their particular office? Yeah, so they would be able to come out uh, right to that office location to do their volunteer work. Now, obviously, if people want to donate, Jessica, you're not going to turn them away, no, right? No, so, no, no. <laughs> we're going to talk about a fun, food-filled uh, uh, fundraiser that you have coming up. Try saying that fast three times. <laughs> but in the meantime, if folks would just simply like to make a donation or perhaps do a benefit on your behalf, how do they get in touch with Crisis Services? Well, actually, our website's a good first step. So if you actually go to the uh, crisisservices.org, there is a donate page, um, and there's some information there um, of either how to donate directly to Crisis Services. There's also some information if somebody wants to host a benefit on behalf of Crisis Services, there's some information posted there to take a look at to see if it fits well with what they're working on. Um, But they can contact us directly um, at 831-4442. That's uh, Olivia, who would be able to help out with some direct information um, on being able to make a donation. Donations, 831-4442, or just simply go to the website at crisisservices.org. Nice and easy. And in less than a month, Jessica, men who cook 
back on the docket. How many years is it now? It's the 13th, 13th. annual Men Who Cook. Yes. Yeah, like the lucky 13th year. <laughs> and it'll be at the Lexus Club down at uh, Key Bank Center, of course. Yes. And what a great night it is. I remember being there a couple of years ago. And you have, well, you tell the story. How does it all come together? And why is it Men Who Cook? Well, it's interesting. We started this uh, event 13 years ago, as we shared. Um, and it was really kind of mirrored off of some other events we've seen throughout the country. And it actually kind of started with men who support your organization. Um, and also it was kind of based with law enforcement at the time um, because we were <laughs> fundraising that first year for our domestic violence and sexual violence work. Um, so it just kind of stuck. And it's also, you know, just a great way for men in our community uh, to come together that support crisis services, but also show off the amazing culinary talents that men do have. I think we've come a long way, I think, oh, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, a lot of more, you know, the male chefs that we have involved, as well as what we refer to as our amateur chefs, which are partners from the community that donate their day and their time and their product for the day uh, for the event. Now, how can people buy tickets for this event? So you can go right, right to the website. Right, 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 the right. website's <laughs> the best place to go. Um, so actually, if you go right to crisisservices.org, you'll get a, a little pop-up right off the bat that will get you right to the ticket page, um, and you can uh, purchase your tickets right through crisisservices.org. It is such a fun, festive event. Uh, I salute you. A tip of the chef's hat to you, <laughs> Thank Jessica. You. Thank you. Uh, for Men Who Cook and the incredible work that you and your staff do 24-7. One last time for folks who are in crisis. What number do they call? The 24-hour crisis hotline is 834-3131, and our addiction hotline is 831-7007. Thanks for everything you do for the community. And thank you for helping to get our mission and message out. It's, it's a pleasure, pleasure to have you here. It'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. Until next time, thanks for carving out a slice, and go Bills. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.